0: I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law. He led them beyond the wilderness and came to the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn and look at this great sight, and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Then God said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Over a decade ago, a radio show and podcast I've long loved recorded an interview with two astronomers from the Vatican Observatory. The name of the show is On Being, and the host is Krista Tippett. It's a show where the discussions often wade into the gray areas of faith and spirituality. And it's a show where these gray areas frequently find intersections with matters of justice, cultural change, science, in the ever evolving natural world. At the top of the interview, Krista Tippett notes that like most of the Vatican astronomers across history, Father Coyne and Brother Consolmagno are Jesuits. It's a fact that becomes less surprising when we remember that St. Ignatius of Loyola the 16th century founder of the order, charged those who would follow in his footsteps to find God in all things. Words our interviewer notes would lead successive generations to become famous, and sometimes infamous, travelers, teachers, and explorers of terrestrial and cosmic realities. While there is much that commends a full listen to this conversation that spans life, faith, and the universe, there is one scene from the episode that's continued to stick with me years after my first listen. As we learn more about the biographies of both men along their journeys towards becoming astronomers at the Vatican Observatory, There's an interesting turn that happens in Brother Consolmagno's retelling of his life's path. Raised in a devout Roman Catholic family in Detroit, Brother Consolmagno eventually followed a boyhood obsession with space and the cosmos all the way to MIT, majoring in Earth and planetary sciences, before later earning a doctorate and then returning to MIT, as well as Harvard for postdoctoral work, where he continued to specialize in the study of asteroids and meteorites. But then, then, things go a decidedly different direction for a time. In the midst of a crisis of vocation, Brother Consolmagno decided he would walk away from that same boyhood obsession that had set his whole career in motion, years of study to join the Peace Corps instead. He said, what good is studying stars? What's the point of studying any of this in a world where every day people are dying of hunger? Stationed in Nairobi, Kenya, where he was tasked with teaching students. Every weekend, Brother Consumano would go up country to visit with friends. Recalling snapshots from that time in his own words, he said, I had a little telescope with me, and I had a package of slides that I would show do you realize there are slide projectors that work on car batteries they had these all over kenya because there wouldn't be a whole lot of electricity but people still wanted to see the slides i had of the stars and the planets he continued i couldn't believe it at first But everybody in the village would show up for the talks. And everybody in the village would show up to look through my telescope. And they would show exactly the same oohs and ahs, looking at the craters of the moon or the rings of Saturn. Exactly the same as when I would set this up back in Michigan. And then it started to dawn on me that maybe, maybe I'd gotten something wrong. Reflecting on the moment, Brother Consomano offered that only human beings have this innate curiosity to understand, to wonder, what's that up in the sky? How do we fit into that? Who are we? Where do we come from? And he says, this, this hunger is a hunger that is as deep and as important as a hunger for food. Because if you starve a person in that sense, you're depriving them of their humanity. The great adventure of the human race, studying the world, exploring the cosmos, that adventure belongs to everyone. He said, and after that, it hit me. Oh, that's why we do this. When the Lord saw that he had turned to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, Here I am. Then God said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. The faith to which we belong asks us all the time to dwell in complexity and seeming difference. God is both vast, transcendent, larger than we could ever imagine. And yet God is also eminent, up close, found in the material, and ever seeking us through the common, through things ordinary, at least ostensibly, So given all that, that complexity, that seeming difference, I wonder how are we then to break through, to come to know God? Or perhaps the better question is, how is God breaking through to show that he has already come to know us? Well, I think everyone has moments when God can seem a distant and only distant, as distant as the stars, Today's lesson from Exodus comes to show that actually God is very near, that God is deeply invested in every inch of creation and desires to know and be known by his people through this world. Zooming out a bit, we might remember that this turning point often referred to as the call of Moses is set against a background of great challenge a time when God seemed distant. You may remember this, but the reason the Israelites are even in Egypt in the first place is because they sold themselves into Egyptian slavery. They had to, they ran out of options. Caught in the grips of famine, they were forced to choose slavery in exchange for grain, in exchange for survival, a terrible choice. Making matters worse, we discover at the beginning of the book of Exodus that Joseph, the hero of Israel, who rose to esteem and prominence in Egypt's hierarchy, dies. And his death is followed by the ascent of a new Egyptian king, who, as the scriptures tell us, did not know Joseph, further cementing the Israelites' plight. Governed by fear that the Israelites will multiply, and eventually overtake the Egyptians, this new pharaoh encourages his people to be especially harsh with the Israelites and ultimately calls for the killing of Israelite boys at their birth. But as we know, the life of at least one Israelite boy, Moses, is spared, an event that would not have happened without the courage of women, Shipra and Pua especially, whose story we heard told last week Fast forward a bit, and we get to catch up with Moses, no longer an infant. The third chapter of Exodus offers a vignette of a now adult Moses tending his father-in-law's sheep. It's a season where we might say Moses is feeling a little lost. Having escaped the fate assigned to the other Israelite boys of his generation, he is given protection, and even more astounding, he is taken in by Pharaoh's daughter, and reared in the Egyptian court. But later in life, things change. He comes into conflict with a brutal Egyptian taskmaster, mistreating the Israelites. And because he is so filled with anger at the scene, Moses kills the Egyptian taskmaster. But as a consequence of this act, he has to flee to Midian, where he is now exchanging the company of royals, a posh life, for the company of his father-in-law's sheep. A life that is a little different, we might say, and a trajectory that certainly helps to explain Moses' posture in the lesson that is appointed for today. Shepherding the flock on the west end of the wilderness, Moses comes to the mountain of God. And in that place, a wilderness that is both literal and metaphorical, he has a divine encounter, a conversation with God that changes everything. Astounded by the sight of a bush that is burning, that is blazing away, but somehow not consumed, Moses hears his name. The voice says, Moses, Moses, and he responds, here I am. But before Moses can come any closer, before he can more fully join the conversation and hear God's promise of liberation and freedom for him and his people, he has to take off his shoes and touch the ground that God has made. Yes, I wonder how are we to break through to come to know God? Or perhaps the better question is still, how is God breaking through to show that he has already come to know us. The answer to the first question, how are we to break through, to come to know God, I think finds an answer in the initial story I began with. In that same interview I mentioned, Krista Tippett wisely notes that those classic scientists, scientists like Kepler and Galileo believe that understanding the natural world was the best way to understand the mind of its maker. And it's that same understanding that makes Brother Consomano's revelation so important. Indeed, the hunger to know where we come from, to know the creator from the creation, is a hunger that is as deep and as important as a hunger for food. Because again, in his words, if you starve a person in that sense, you deprive them of their humanity. And this sense, this invitation to take off our shoes and touch the ground God has made, to come to know God is not just an exodus, but an invitation that's found throughout the entirety of scripture. Jeffrey Tristam writes, Jesus was intimately involved with the natural world. When he spoke of God and God's kingdom, he almost always pointed to the natural world. Seeds, the harvest, the clouds, vines, weeds, sheep, fire, water, lilies, bread, wine, He says, to walk out into God's creation is to be touched by the very hand of God. He says, to walk out into God's creation is to be touched by the very hand of God. But what about that second question I asked, not just how are we to break through to come to know God, but how then are we to see that God is breaking through to show that he has already come to know us? As I said, God is vast, transcendent, larger than we could ever imagine. And yet God is also eminent, up close, found in the material and ever seeking us through the common, through things ordinary, at least ostensibly. But moments of awe don't necessarily have to lift us to some distant place. Experiences of wonder of God coming to know us can be experiences that very much keep us grounded in this world. Making this point well, Annie Dillard, the Pulitzer Prize-winning author, records one such experience she had during a year spent in solitude along a creek in Virginia during the early 70s. She writes, One day I was walking along Tinker Creek, thinking of nothing at all, when I suddenly saw the tree with the lights in it. I saw the backyard cedar where the morning doves roost, charged and transfigured, each cell blazing with flame. I stood on the grass with the lights in it, Grass that was holy fire, utterly focused and utterly dreamed. It was less like seeing than like being for the first time seen, knocked breathless by a powerful glance. Yes, Dillard writes, it was less like seeing than like being for the first time seen. How are we to see that God has already come to know us? Perhaps we just need to walk outside. Perhaps like Moses, we will find a living thing, transfigured, each cell buzzing with flame. As we approach the start of a new academic year, a new program year, I'm struck that this place, that this church, that Grace Church, has made a long commitment to education. We founded a school. For years, we've housed the downtown Canterbury Chaplaincy for university students. And when our parishioners saw a need for an after-school program, they started the Go Project, which continues to do incredible work. But even if we're not preparing to go back to school or to teach school, I wonder if this season still might stir your curiosity somehow. I wonder if we might all find something new to study and to learn. I wonder if we might take the opportunity to get outside more and see what we discover. Perhaps, perhaps like those two astronomers and the classic scientists before them, we can grow our understanding of the natural world. And in that pursuit, find that everywhere and all the time we are being invited to better know the mind of its maker. Perhaps we are being invited to live the story of the scriptures, to let a voice in the wilderness beckon us, to let our feet touch the ground. Perhaps like Moses, we are being invited into a conversation Perhaps like him, God is calling our name. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.